This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Year in, year out, we get more and more clueless about some of the decisions that we make as a nation. The further we get from God's Word, the more we find ourselves falling into the same trap that the nations back in these days found themselves in. We fall further away from obedience to God, and so we become, again, susceptible to that disciplining of God. And yeah, I believe some of our allies are going to turn against us, and we don't have a clue. We've all heard people say pride goes before a fall, and the book of Proverbs agrees when it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, if pride is so destructive, you would think more people would run from it. The trouble is that pride is not only destructive, but it's deceiving. That's exactly where the nation of Edom was during the time of the book of Obadiah. Edom was blinded by pride, and they couldn't even see that they were going to be destroyed. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Obadiah, chapter 1. The book of Obadiah. It's interesting, Obadiah, we we really don't know a whole lot about Obadiah in the Bible. There's about four Obadiahs that we can uh, find within the Word, but there's no real, for sure, hard connection with either one of them. There was an Obadiah in Second Chronicles during the reign of Jehoshaphat, and that Obadiah was one of the messengers that Jehoshaphat sent out to bring the book of the law to the people during uh, Jehoshaphat's time. Uh, and it was before the fall of Israel. There was uh, another Obadiah, good possibility, that would have been during the time of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, it speaks of an Obadiah as one of the priests during that time. And that was after the fall of Judah, after the Babylonian captivity. And they've come back and they've started rebuilding the temple, or they've rebuilt the temple under uh, Ezra. Now they're rebuilding the wall under Nehemiah. So we don't know for sure who this particular Obadiah is, uh, really you can kind of lean either way because it really doesn't matter who he is. It's his message that really counts. And the message is a powerful. His, his message actually uh, is, is to uh, Edom, to the descendants of Esau and the people of Edom. And so we see in, uh, well, there's only... Uh, Yeah, just one chapter in Obadiah. So in verse 1 of chapter 1, we see the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Now, as I shared, Edom is the, is, is the country that came from the offspring of Esau. And once the people of Esau grew to a a nation and they came in to uh, get a land of their own, they came to that area that is kind of south and east of the Dead Sea in that area. It was the land of a people called the Horites before. And now the, the Edomites came in, overtook them, and now this becomes their land. And so Obadiah says, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from who? Whoa. When you hear a report from the Lord, you ought to pay attention, okay? Yeah, because it's probably going to be something pretty powerful. And it says here that a, a messenger has been sent among the nations saying, arise and let us rise up against her for 
battle. Now, it's kind of interesting when you think about that, the, uh, of this messenger being sent out among the nations, okay? For those of you that have been studying in the Old Testament for a while, and you're my Wednesday night crowd, you can respond back. Just don't heckle me, uh, but you can respond back a little bit. Uh, who, when, when, whenever we speak of the nations, particularly in the Old Testament, who are we speaking about generally? Not Israel. Anybody but Israel, okay? So the Gentiles primarily, okay? It's an easy way to remember it. The nations primarily were the Gentiles. So this messenger, and we don't even know who the messenger is because, again, we've heard this, Obadiah is saying, we've heard this word from the Lord, this report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent out among the nations. And the word of that messenger is going to all of these other Gentile nations, and he's saying, hey, get up. Get up. Let's rise up, and we're going to go to battle against Edom. Against Edom. Now, we find out historically what happens with all of this, but for right now, let's, let's look and we'll get into the historical part in a little bit. He says, behold, I will make you small, and again, speaking to Edom, behold, I will make you small among the nations. In other words, though Esau was a descendant of, of, of or he was the brother of Jacob, remember, Israel came out of Jacob, not Esau. So though they are related in line, again, he's he's not part of Israel at all. But now he's saying the other nations, these Gentile nations, are going to, again, make you small. You're, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. One of the things we know about pride, pride kind of lifts up, doesn't it? Pride kind of puffs up, doesn't it? And what God is saying is, I'm going to burst your bubble. I'm going to make you small among the nations. He says again, uh, your pride has, has deceived you. You're going to be greatly despised. He says here, still in verse 3, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagles, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. The area that we find in the area that's, that was Edom of the past, there is a stronghold in that area right now. You guys went and visited it just a couple of years ago. We went and visited it a couple of years ago. It's a place that's called Petra. And in Petra, you have almost a mile-long walk through this very narrow canyon. And then once you get into the, the breaking out of that canyon, you have these marvelous structures that have been carved right into the face of the canyon walls. And it's just absolutely fascinating to look at. And a lot of people say, well, aren't those just all facades that they don't really go back any? They're just all... No, they're actually... There were dwellings there. And they the people of Edom dwelled there. How in the world did they carve these things out of those walls they actually rappelled from the tops of the cliff on ropes with hammer and chisel and chiseled those things it's just absolutely amazing but what a great stronghold what a great place of protection it was anytime that the enemy would go up to them and they're saying hey you can't get me you say you you dwell in the clefts of the rock your habitation is is high 
You who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Well, you could say that Edom was pretty much on their high horse. And God is going to bring them down to the ground. Verse 5, he says, if thieves have come to you, if robbers by night, and then he's got this little parenthesis, kind of put this little phrase, oh, how you will be cut off. Just kind of put that off to the side for a minute. Say, if thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, would they not have stolen till they had enough? In other words, there would be a limit to what they took. They would take until they had enough. Because the next portion of that verse says, if grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? In other words, they wouldn't have picked every little piece off. But now in the midst of this, that little phrase, oh, how you will be cut off. You see, God's not interested in just a partial punishment on Edom. He's going to do a thorough, he's going to do a complete, he's going to do a total punishment against the nation of Edom. We're going to see how total and how complete it is a little bit later in this verse, in these verses. He says, oh, in verse 6, oh, how Esau shall be searched out. And again, using the name Esau as a as just symbolic of the nation of Edom. Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men of your confederacy shall force you to the border. Now, let me ask you this. Now, I'm reading the New King James. Your version might say something different than all the men of your confederacy. But what what is your confederacy? What is he speaking about there? What is your confederacy? An ally. An ally. All of your allies, in essence, he says, are going to turn against you. Everybody that you thought was your friend, your companion, uh, your ally is going to turn against you. They're going to force you to the border. The men that are at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Even those who ate your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. It's interesting, in the Middle East, and particularly in the Middle East, if they share food with you, there is a, a bond that, that comes with that because the concept is, is if you're eating of the same bread that I'm eating, then really and truly we become partakers of the same thing and it becomes, we become part of each other as that food becomes a part of us. It's the same food that's becoming a part of you and that, that makes that bond. So for someone to share food with someone and then to be an enemy and go against them, man, that is the worst of worst insults and you you, you don't see that. You know, again, that whole concept is rare there. But here he's saying, those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you, and no one is aware of it. I, I, I can't help, and I, I know we, we've talked about this multiple times as we've gone through this study in, in the Minor Prophets. Number one, this is a message to Edom, and I understand that. There's other messages that we've read through here, and they were for Judah, or they were for Israel, they were for some of the other nations that were around them. But the principle of God's word continues to remain the same, whatever country it is. God has particular principles and, and ways, his, his modus operandi, his MO, his, his method of operation. God remains the same. 
And as Edom, again, God is going to punish them. He's saying that these that you've made confederacies with, these that you've become allies with, they're going to turn against you, and you guys don't have a clue about that. I look at our nation, and I look at some of the confederacies that we have made, some of those that we say are our allies, when in reality the whole structure of that nation wishes us to be dead. And and I'm thinking, are we so clueless and i have to shake my head and say yeah we are and it seems you know month in month out year in year out we get more and more clueless about some of the decisions that we make as a nation the further we get from god's word the more we find ourselves falling into the same trap that the nations back in these days found themselves in. We fall further away from obedience to God, and so we become, again, susceptible to that disciplining of God. And yeah, I believe some of our allies are going to turn against us, and we don't have a clue. Do you know that there was a phone call today from the Prime Minister of Germany directly to President Obama? The Prime Minister of Germany, I cannot remember her name off the top of my head. Pardon? Merkel. Okay. She called and she read President Obama, the Riot Act, how dare you tap my personal cell phone. Wow. And so that she wouldn't, I guarantee you, she would not have made that call unless she knew for proof positive that we had been doing that. Now, I don't know about you. But if I'm good, if, if you're good friends with me, and suddenly I find that you've been spying on everything that I've been doing, I'm not going to be quite as close a friend to you as I used to be, okay? And, and I, I look at this stuff, and I think we are laying ourselves open in these, I believe, these last days to just set the whole structure up for what God says is going to happen, particularly... When we read and we look and we don't see America in any of these last days prophecies. Are we going to become such a non-player because we have defeated ourselves? But, okay, let me get off that bandwagon. Let's get back to Obadiah. Okay. Verse 8. The Lord says, will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men? Of Edom. Now, Edom was well known, really, as, as being some great wisdom coming out of Edom. There's several places in the Old Testament that speak about the wisdom of Edom. But God is saying, I'm going to even destroy your wise men. So, in other words, they're not going to be able to think their way out of this. They're, they're, can I throw this? Their technology is not going to be able to save them, okay? As, as sharp and, and, and as wise as they were, God says, hey, that's nothing for me. I'm going to destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding complete. He's going to take understanding from the mountains of Esau. Then your mighty men, O Teman, and Teman is again one of the great cities of Edom. He says, your mighty men, O Teman, shall be what? Dismayed. These are the mighty men. These are the guys that are supposed to kind of be, be able to stand strong and, and be able to, again, take care of, of issues and know what's going on. They're the ones that ought to be able to figure out a $3 million website and know how it ought to work. Anyway, moving on. Uh, then your mighty men, O team, and shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Completely destroyed. Why is he doing this? Verse 10. 
for violence against your brother Jacob. God, you know, the, the word says, those who bless Israel, I will bless. But with that also comes a curse. If you're cursing Israel, the curse of God is going to be against you. And Edom, almost their entire existence. I mean, Jacob and Esau made this, this peace during that time. But as the nations grew and as the families grew, they grew separate and separate and separate. And if you'll remember, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and were coming into the promised land, they came up to the land of Edom and said, hey, can we just like pass through the highway? We'll stay on the highway. We won't eat any of your food. We'll pay for whatever we, we, we need. We'll, we'll take it. Would you let us do that? And what was the response from Edom? No, no. Guys, that's like going to your cousin's house while you're cruising across country and says, hey, man, I'm, I'm like out of gas. We're out of food. All, all we need to do is, is just rest a day. No. No, I mean, we, we look at that today. Well, there's some of my cousins I would, might consider. But we, we look at that today, and we know that would be a huge insult. But here we had the whole nation that was coming to the promised land, and they wouldn't even allow them to travel through the land. But it gets much, 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 much worse than that. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off for a season. What does it say? Forever. Forever. Now, that's a pretty intense judgment. It's not like I'm going to punish you for 70 years into Babylon and bring you back. It's not like I'm going to run you over with the Roman Empire in 70 AD, and it's not going to be until 1948 that you can become a nation again. God says for Edom, I'm I'm going to cut you off forever. He says, and here's the reason why. In the day that you stood on the other side. In other words, number one. Here's the number one reason. They did nothing in the day that strangers carried captive his fortress or his forces. When foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. Okay. Now, my thoughts on this particular Obadiah is that he is the one from Nehemiah's time. That again, the captivity of 586, the fall of Jerusalem, the Babylonian exile had already taken place. Now it's during Nehemiah's time and they're rebuilding and God is using the prophet Obadiah to make this proclamation against Edom. Because it was during that time as the Babylonians came down to again take Jerusalem that we can see these very, very things happening. Foreigners entering his gates, casting lots for Jerusalem and even you were as one of them. So the first charge that God has is, and you guys did nothing, nothing to help them. Now, historians say, yeah, but the Edomites did fight against the Babylonians, but they only fought against the Babylonians to save their own skin because the Babylonians also went against the Edomites. So again, yeah, they did fight, but not to save Israel. It was like, uh, it was way late at that point in time. So let's go on. Point number one, they did nothing. Point number two, we'll see here. But you should not have gazed, uh, and, and a good word for that is gloated. 
Okay, you should not have gloated on the day of your brother. In other words, when your brother, when, when, when Jerusalem was falling, when, when Judah was falling, Edom was, was gloating over it. <laughs> Maybe now we can go in there. What they didn't realize, no, God was going to take care of them at the same time. They were gloating about it. He says, you should not have gazed on your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah, the second thing I believe that God has here is this idea of gloating or rejoicing over the fact that Judah was falling. They stood by, did nothing. Secondly, they rejoiced. He said, you should not have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered, the. and here's the third one, You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor what? Laid hands on their substance in the day of calamity. So what's going on? The Babylonians are pretty much defeating Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem. They're pretty much in the midst of a battle. And the Edomites are going in there. Hey, we'll fight with you. But while they're fighting, they're looting. They're they're taking as much as they can. So they're stealing from them in the process. Number one, they did nothing. They stood by. Secondly, they gloated or they rejoiced by what was going on. And now thirdly, they're actually stealing from them during the day of calamity. During all that's going on. Hey, while you're, uh, while you're, while you're down, uh, you know, hey, sorry you got hit by a car. I'm going to lift your wallet at the same time. That's, that's in essence what's going on. And, and they gloated about the fact, well, you, you're crazy. I told you not to play in the freeway. But now that you got hit by a car, and I'm going to run over and I'm going to steal your wallet at the same time. So that's what they're doing in the day of calamity. So they've, they've stole, they, they, they did nothing. They rejoiced. They stole. Now, in verse 14, you should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped. Nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. So now, not only did they do nothing at first, then they gloated or rejoiced, then they stole during the battle, and now they stood on the outside. And if anybody from Judah tried to escape to the southeast, the Edomites either slew them or they captured them and gave them to the Babylonians to try and be friends with the Babylonians. But guess what? The Babylonians don't want to be friends with anybody. The Babylonians not only took the the people of Judah, but then also they continued on and took the people of Edom. So now, verse 15, for the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. Now, this this is a great passage right here. The day of the Lord. We see the day of the Lord all throughout the word. We, we see the great day of the Lord. We see the day of the, the great day of the Lord usually means that great day, that final day of God's wrath upon all nations. You've got to be careful in the context of where you're reading it and how it's going to go. The day of the Lord can happen uh, many times. 
It's again, God just finally says that's enough. And he may say that to you as an individual as you continue to walk in disobedience. He says, okay, today's the day of the Lord. We're going to get you straightened up. Today's woodshed day, okay? Uh, or it, it might be to a, a nation or a people group. The day of the Lord is God's disciplining time. Now, many times as we've shared in prophecy, remember, a prophet usually sees a situation, they get led by the Lord through the Holy Spirit to speak to that situation, but God in his great wisdom and sovereignty speaks not only to that situation, but he speaks to another situation that's going to be years down the road, and that same word might even be even more completely, thoroughly fulfilled even further down the road. So anytime the the prophets of the Old Testament make these prophecies, we can see sometimes it's immediate. It deals with Israel or Judah at that point or one of these nations. But many times there's also a second or a third or a greater fulfillment of it. So bear that in mind as we look at this. So verse 15, For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near, As you have done, it shall be done to you. In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The 12 minor prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. 